adesso parte il tiro, rete, 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 un gol straordinario! Welcome back to Red to This Way. I'm your host for this week, Paula Mangoni. Michael D'Angelo is still on vacation. And welcome to Julian G. D'Angelo. How's everybody doing tonight? Uh, drying off, Julian, drying off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> also, welcome to Mr. Christmas Alley. Hello, everybody. Right. So, Julian, what did you think of the song this week? I just thought of The Simpsons. Yeah, <laughs> That was literally my first thought, but this is Homer singing and dancing that song. But yeah, yeah, yeah that, that, was, that was mine too as well. I'm not going to lie. I don't watch The Simpsons, but I did think it was one of your better song choices. Probably the best <laughs> one of the month. So far. Okay. Actually, that's true. That is true. Uh, so that continues our trend of finding uh, Italian... Cover, uh, so sorry, English songs covered in Italian. So that, that's our new uh, trend song. Instead of finding songs that relate to what happened during the past week, uh, it's just, you know, hilarious to find Italian cover songs. So, um, anyway, so with that being said, uh, I voted to boycott the Nations League because Italy got knocked out of the World Cup. Uh, so... I was outvoted, so we have to we have to do a pod this week. Um, so since you two wanted to do a pod this week, uh, Chris, yes, yeah, what, what, what happened this week? <laughs> uh, I mean, your second favorite manager after Tiago Botta had a good week. Um, the Azzurri played England. I I'll I'll be honest I was fully expecting not only England to dominate, but a three or four nothing game where, you know, you could see a difference in class. And part of that had to do with the, the starting lineup that was announced. Um, Bonucci, Toloi and Achebe specifically, I think other parts of the starting 11 were okay, but uh, I was surprised to see them listed. And then I was, even further surprised to see how well they actually played. Um, I don't know if you agree, Paulo, but, or, and Julian, I don't know if you, if you saw the game or not, but I still feel like Italy were the better side. Um, I, I'm not going to go as far as saying they dominated, but I feel like Mil- uh, Milan, here we go. Italy were, were more purposeful with their possession and, uh, you know, had, more high quality scoring chances. I don't know if the stats reflect that, but kind of the eyeball test tells me that. Um, 
so yeah, I think that that was a good start. I don't know if we want to talk about the second game just yet, but those are my comments from the from the England game. No, we'll we'll get on to uh, let's talk about this game and then uh, we'll do the goal uh, of the week. Since, right. Uh, but um, I caught this game, and it it sure you you're probably the eyeball test is probably right. Uh, maybe you can look up your all important magical X, <laughs> XG. But, uh, yeah, the eyeball test showed that, yeah, Italy was more um, concise with their possession. Uh, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean that they're more concise, but they're playing against an England team who's incredibly out of form. And that spells danger for England at the World Cup if they don't figure out a way to kind of um, get out of this. And uh, for all those who are listening... England got relegated from the top tier in the nation's league, which is hilarious. So uh, just to, to back up, so the regarding the stats, so possession was 57-43 in favor of England. Uh, again, I, I probably, again, eyeball test, I would have guessed the number would have been closer. Uh, and then shots were 14-10 to 10 in favor of England and shots on target 4-3 to three in favor of England. So... Again, a lot of the key stats, you can call them, you know, leaning England's way. But again, I think anybody who watched the game would tell you that um, England definitely didn't dominate the way some of the stats show. I mean, I don't want to talk a lot about England, but I guess it's related to Syria. Uh, Shockingly, they're not starting. He's not starting to Mori. Just, you know, I, I don't understand that. I don't think anyone does. No, especially when you consider some of the center backs that he's starting <laughs> over Harry to Mori. Yeah, exactly. That's just one of them. Um, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate for him. And obviously I'm, I'm rooting for him more so than, than other players because uh, of who, of his club team. But uh, And also, uh, just to be even more selfish, he could have been eligible to play for Canada had... England not capped him, you know, further. I think it was about a year and a half ago or two years ago. Um, so, yeah, that's unfortunate. Wait, but once they're capped at the senior level, they can't play for another country? Or they, I think they have to get dispensation from FIFA. There, there are exceptions. I, I'm spitballing here, but one of them has to do with, and I, and I don't know if this is, you know, just European countries or just CONCACAF, but one that I've heard and read about before is that if you've played, let's just say less than five senior caps before, you know, your 21st birthday and a certain amount of time has passed and you haven't received any more caps, you're then eligible to kind of re be reinstated, so to speak with another country. Uh, and I'm, I'm probably off there. It might be as a U23 player, and it might be that you can't play more than two games, but something along those lines. Yeah, well, no. Recently, um, you could look at Lapadula. I think he got capped for one game by Italy, and then he's now on the Peruvian national team. So I right, don't yeah. know what exactly he went through, but he was one who switched I, basically countries. I feel like, too, if your original the, – the country that originally capped you, I feel like they play a big part in whether or not you're going to be eligible to play for another country and no, no disrespect to Peru. Uh, and obviously Peru are not in any of Italy's um, 
qualifying groups, but Lapadula playing for Peru doesn't really hurt Italy's chances at qualifying or winning anything. So I think it'd be easier for governing bodies, you know, especially the FIGC to say, you know, we don't mind if he goes in and plays for Peru instead of uh, ever being eligible for us again. Uh, Julian, any thoughts on the game before we get to the goal? Um, I wasn't able to watch either game, unfortunately. Um, and honestly, who cares about the Nations League? Again, so like, it goes to my point about the boycott, but here we are doing a podcast. But anyway, <laughs> uh, let's get to the consistency, goal. Paulo. Uh, <laughs> please. Watch that over his shoulder, wanting room for the shot. Got it and finished it. <laughs> and there you have it, Jacoby Raspadori, uh, scoring, scoring the only goal uh, for Italy against England that condemned the three Lions to relegation. Which is sweet to say that. Uh, so moving on to to game two. Uh, again, I thought this was the game that Italy should have lost. Uh, I think um, I think the Hungarian coach, which is he's also Italian, uh, said it best. Uh, they tried uh, a win would have secured uh, top spot and a spot in the final four. A draw, but, a draw. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, draw, draw or win. Yep. And uh, they were denied by an, an outstanding Donnarumma. It has to be even even the Milan fans have to admit that uh, he made like I mean two or three triple saves, something ridiculous along those lines. Okay. I remember there was uh, one where they should have scored. Uh, he made like two stops, like close range uh, to, that should have made it one, one. Uh, so in uh, I think Italy owes that's the, the, the final four to him and the goals were, uh, like uh, weren't bad. I mean, the, the the goal that I enjoyed the most. Uh, well, I mean, there's Raspadori's to, to open up the score, which I, I thought it was just unfortunate uh, for for Hungary. I mean, it was a bad pass uh, where to 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 essentially Yang uh, Yangto, uh, Yangto, and um, and was and was stopped, and then Raspadori picked up the rebound to to finish it off. But I mean, other than that, I mean, uh, Hungary responded well. I deserve to, to 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 draw the game at that point, and then uh, it was a great by the bylines play, Chris. You have to admit that uh, where Cristiante uh, was essentially close, very close to the byline, and played it across the six yard box box to uh, to Demarco for the second goal. Yeah, I mean Donnarumma definitely was Italy's best player, and you know that's. I'm not going to say that's what you expect from some of the world's best goalkeepers, but that's what they're capable of is, is games where, you know, you don't, I don't, I don't want to say Italy didn't have any business, but they didn't really deserve the win. I agree. Hungary, you know, had the better scoring chances, but goalkeepers of his quality have the ability to keep you in games. And, and that's exactly what he did. Uh, I know some people will say this is uh, him making up for that goal against Macedonia, which, uh, again, I, I could argue for for and against him with regards to that one, but no, he, he was special for sure. So, 
uh, that 2 nothing win against Hungary seals, like I said, seals top spot for Italy. And they go on to the Final Four, where they will play one of Netherlands, Croatia, or Spain. Yes. Uh, yeah, because Spain beat Portugal one nothing on Tuesday, which was a, like a last-minute goal by Morata or something like that. Um, so, yeah, so uh, the, this is the segue into our next topic of a conversation again because I had to break the boycott so let me just you know um, so the reports are saying that the prize money for uh, to making it to the final four uh, is that Italy could win up to ten and a half million euros so up to it's not guaranteed but up to the as I was just out of curiosity I was looking at looking at the prize money for the upcoming World Cup so just by qualifying, just by making it to the group stage, you're guaranteed ten million dollars. Okay. So winning the final four, which is not uh, guaranteed whatsoever, uh, only barely covers the loss of fail of failing to qualify for the World Cup, and. Again, goes to my disappointment and and bitterness and the fact that I wanted to have a continue this boycott because instead of uh, you know having a chance of uh, going to the World Cup, we're left in celebrating um, the fact that they made the final four in Nations League when they had no business qualifying top in that group. Uh, the, because they were outplayed by Germany uh, in in that in that group, uh, they tied a poor, an England team that was very poor in June, uh, and and they were only benefited by the fact that Hungary beat Germany and England. Correct? I'm pretty sure they beat both Germany and England. I know they beat England. I'd have to check. Oh, they did beat Germany the same day. Italy, um, the same day Italy beat England. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So they have to thank Hungary for finishing top in that group because Italy beat Hungary twice. So again, I, I think it's it's, I think it's luck. I don't know. I'm on the fence. I think that same argument you're using, you could say Italy had during the Euros. They. Barely beat Austria. Arnautovic scored a goal, and he was a millimeter offside. They got thoroughly outplayed against Spain, but beat them in PKs. Like it's honestly, it's sports. That's just the sports. way it goes sometimes. Italy didn't have the luck in the qualifying. They missed those PKs against Switzerland. Yeah, it's I don't know. But again, it, it, I mean. The fact that he's still getting paid, like what I don't understand is, is that that he doesn't have. I'm talking about Robert, Roberto Mancini, of course. The wherewithal and at least the shame of saying, "Okay, well, like to cover the loss, I'm going to renounce a year's salary because yeah. I didn't achieve a major objective that I was hired to do." Like they didn't. The expectation when he was hired was to qualify for the World Cup, and he's on record years ago saying exactly that. And then before 
uh, the uh, the game against England, players who were slightly injured didn't want to play for the national team. And then he was criticizing those players that uh, they have to have the will to play for the national team. I mean, well, uh, there's a reason why no one wants to play is because you failed to qualify for the World Cup based on your decisions of not um, uh, renewing, rebuilding the team as soon as the Euro Cup ended. No one has learned, no Italian manager since 2006 has learned that regardless if you win a tournament, you still need to introduce new players in key positions. Germany did that, Spain did that, and that's why they had continued success over that decade. I I agree with that with regards to Italian managers and a lot of other uh, managers at the international level, you know, needing to turn over the squad even when you do have success. And I I think Mancini, you know, is responsible for that. Uh, But what I will say, and it kind of ties into what Julian was saying about you know, the argument you could make for Italy at the Euros is, you know, as much as, you know, me included, a lot of people want to pin not qualifying on, on the manager. Uh, Jorginho missed two pens, three pens, uh, where, you know, if he scores, I think it's just one of those, whether it's to beat Switzerland or beat Bulgaria, we're through. And we don't even have to play that game against Macedonia and or Portugal slash Turkey. Um, and I can probably go and pinpoint other mistakes in certain games that, you know, you wouldn't expect players of that caliber to make, but, uh, yeah, but... the game is chaotic. The game could be random. So I, I, okay. I, so then I'll, I'll counter your point. Okay. So you pin the players, you pin, you pin the blame on some of the players, but who ultimately chose those players? I get that point too, but it's yeah, it's penalties. Jorginho is your PK guy; he always has been. I've seen that penalty so many times again. The one specifically against Switzerland. Um, I think Sommer's the keeper. Yeah, he and is. you see him; he fakes going one way, and then Jorginho bites, and then he just falls to the side and collects it, no problem. But if you watch it in slow mo, he actually outsmarts Jorginho. It's not Jorginho got it wrong; he literally just outweighed him, basically. I I still think that he should at least like renounce a year's salary or paid with his job because again failing to have this is you know to have something that extor- historical of Italy failing to qualify for two consecutive World Cups I don't think has ever happened in previous history. That's what that, that's 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 what annoys me is that okay well how can you sit there and criticize players not wanting to play for a war, uh, play for, for for the Italian national team when you don't take responsibility and yet then shift uh, blame to the players. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Um, I don't, I definitely don't think renouncing salary is the way to, to go about balancing the books, so to speak. But uh, I, got, I see, I see what Mancini's saying. Obviously he, he wants players to, to play for the badge. You know, whether, you know, times are good or times are bad. Um, but then I can see why some players uh, might hesitate, you know, to be part of the fold. So, um, 
yeah, I, I, again, I, I don't think you can just blame Mancini, and I don't think you can just blame the players. It's it's a it's a collective, whether they win or whether they lose. Nobody was giving Mancini all of the praise when they won, and nobody was giving the players all of the praise when they won. It was kind of a, a Mancini and the players did this, and I think when we're talking about them not qualifying, you have to say it's Mancini and the players that did this. And uh, it was a jewel, I think uh, it was the first time that Italy will play a friendly during the World Cup. World Cup. Yeah. <laughs> I guess yeah, that'll be... Uh, I think it's against Austria. Nobody's watching that. That's pathetic. Yeah, I'm not watching that. That one I will boycott. Um, okay, so I think we exhausted this topic. I think we covered every single thing, every single point that I wanted to go through, regardless of the boycott or not, which I still don't understand why we're doing it. But anyway, I mean the episode, not the boycott. Um, CanCon. I know, I know uh, Canada played uh, two friendlies over this international break. Yes, they just... Uh... Today, so September 27th, played against uh, Uruguay, uh, lost 2 0. Uh, I did not get to watch it, but from the few people that I spoke to about it, um, it wasn't so bad. Uh, Canada looked okay. Uh, they actually had a couple of chances. Um, I guess my concern, I guess, again, I haven't seen the highlights, didn't watch the game, but uh, it looks like Uruguay had you know two shots on target, two goals. And, you know, that's what that's what worries me going into the World Cup for Canada is if there is a weak point, it is that back line. I think there's a, you know, a decent amount of talent in the middle and up top. And obviously at the World Cup, you're coming up against, you know, world-class players, specifically world-class strikers. And um, if we give them those two golden opportunities, they're more than likely going to put them away. And I, I don't know if Canada has the firepower to go and beat teams, you know, three, two, for example. So um, yeah, that was that. And then they beat Qatar uh, later last week, two nil uh, good win. Uh, but then kind of in the same breath as what I was saying with Uruguay, uh, Qatar obviously aren't the level of opposition that, you know, I think, <laughs> Canada is striving for obviously it's good to win and Qatar are of course a world cup um, team uh, not by qualifying by hosting of course so um, yeah I think it was a, a good learning lesson for, for Canada so I mean again I didn't watch the game as well because it was, it was on this afternoon uh, usually I watch the Canada games at night because they usually play on the eastern, eastern time zone mm. but um, uh for me, I would compare Uruguay to you know some of the better teams in the group. Uh, I think it's, if I remember correctly, it's what Croatia, Belgium, Morocco. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would compare Uruguay to a Belgium type with a lot of attacking players, uh, but yet still weak in the defense. So I mean, if they, if, like you said, Chris, if they conceded. Uh, two shots on targets, two goals, then uh, I, I don't think there's a chance against Belgium unless they solve that defense within a month's time. It, it, it's going to be tough regardless. I mean, e- even if they had won this game, I think you still have to be a little, not skeptical, but you, you need to be, yeah, maybe a little bit skeptical about how they're going to defend um you know, a Lukaku, uh, De Bruyne, you know, so on and so forth. But 
again, these are all tests. Uh, Canada hasn't really played against high-quality opponents. Uh, they've been really kind of focused on those CONCACAF teams, you know, beating the USA, beating Mexico. So that was one step. But as we know, you know, Uruguay, your Croatia, your Belgiums, they're in a different tier than USA and Mexico. So, um, you know, we'll see how much progress we've made in a, in a couple months. Um, so what, uh, I believe what the next game is against Japan. Yes, I believe so. I know that's one of their next friendlies anyways. And that's days before the world cup starts, correct? Uh, yeah. I think it's once they, once the team has, has met for their pre-tournament camp, it's part of that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Julian, any thoughts on Canada? Um, no, and I mean, I think everybody knows with World Cup, they're they're in tough. Realistically, they're just going to try and sit back and not concede and play on the counter. Again, as Chris said, that as soon as one goes in, their game plan is kind of thrown out the window. But um, hey, anything can happen. Uh, so speaking about Croatia, I think Julian, you should want to get uh, something off your chest. Oh yeah, <laughs> I just there's way too many. I mean, it's been said time and again, there's way too many games going on now. There's an international break every month. There's European competition. Like, the players are playing 50, 60 games a year. Um, Brozovic, who wasn't even 100% fit when he went to Croatia, I think played 90 minutes their first game uh, and then had to be subbed off about 20 minutes in the second game. And he's now out for, I think, three to four weeks. Yeah, um, so that. that yeah, Inter, that obviously does not help. Um, so, that's why. And I know he's not the only one. I know, Chris, you're in a similar situation with Maignan. I didn't see how long he was out, though. A few weeks. Yeah. I, read a, yeah. I read a month. But so, I, it's just there's too many, like... Who cares about the Nations League? There's too many games as it is. What's the point of playing all these yeah, other Julian, it, it, it could be worse if it was friendlies. <laughs> okay, at least there's a... These a, are glorified friendlies. Yeah, but at least there's a, 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 a direct qualification spot for Euro 2024 at the end of it. So it's, at least it has some sort of value assigned to it. I mean, that's the reason why people are not up in arms and playing these games. If it was, if you know... If there was friendlies, uh, then yeah, the hundred percent, it uh, you know, it'd be a waste of time. I remember uh, last time Italy didn't qualify in twenty eighteen. It was because Italy lost those friendlies that they were given such a, a shitty uh, qualification group, which they finished well. They got knocked out in the playoffs, but which they finished second in. And it was probably this time around there. There was no such excuse, but it didn't help. Uh, so, at least this time, by winning the group, uh, they get top seed in the Euro twenty twenty four qualifying uh, group stage or qualifying stage, and a direct chance to play out in a mini tournament for Euro twenty twenty four. Uh, qualification. So again, at least at least it's worthwhile instead of about you know four years ago that it was absolutely pointless. 
who how many countries is it worthwhile for though like how many countries realistically have a chance of of winning it and getting that one automatic qualification spot well it's the teams who are in the the top tier tier uh the league a or the how they call it yeah but but again to that point so it's uh 16 it's, teams i think it is at the beginning at the beginning but again yeah. for these last two weeks obviously you had a good idea of who was who was going to qualify and who yeah. wasn't I mean, and then you take those, you know, for example, England, I think England played a, uh, an experimental team, I'm pretty sure. Uh, against Italy? Against Italy. Mm, not really. Again, I, mean, I, don't, I don't watch the, the, the PL. I say PL yeah. on purpose for, for you guys. Um, so, I, I mean, so I, the, the players, I didn't recognize most of the players, and I, I didn't feel like that they would be normally starters. So... And they knew that if they they were probably going to lose any – well, not, that they would have survived with a draw. But, I mean, the World Cup is probably more important to Southgate than surviving in uh, the Nations League. That's fair. Yeah. So, and it was uh, – uh, probably Germany must have thought the same thing. They, they used it as a, as a, as a warm-up game for, for the World Cup in, uh, was it six weeks' time? Something like that. Yeah, six weeks. Yeah. So, uh, so, and, so yeah, there's that. Uh, so, uh, in, terms, in terms of, okay, so might as well get to, since we're talking about uh, Inter, uh, might as well get to the preview. So, uh, Brozovic is out. Uh, Inter's playing Roma Saturday at noon. He was already suspended for this game. Um, so, it's not that big of a deal for the Roma game specifically, but um, I'm just hoping. Hoping slash interested to see if Enzaghi will give Aslani his first start. He was signed essentially to be the Brozovic sub, and we've, I think, seen him play maybe 10 minutes so far this season. Um, so that's what I'm kind of interested to see. Uh, there's also no Lukaku. He's rumored to be an extreme long shot for the Roma game. I think they're trying to make sure he's fully fit for the Champions League. Uh, and I believe uh, for Roma, I think the Ballas will play. Uh, but uh, no, but yeah, so definitely Brozovic uh, is out uh, against uh, Barcelona, right? On the uh... yeah, there. I think he's undergoing. Inter hasn't officially made their announcement on how long he's out, but. Um, that he was waiting to come back to Milan to do tests, so they should have an update by the end of the week. But yeah, it's like three weeks minimum. Okay, it's uh, I'm just taking a look at okay, so Pellegrini may be back against Inter as well. So that's a big, uh, big recovery for for them. Uh, again, Julian, any like general thoughts on the match? I mean, I know uh, Mourinho suspended uh, because of that outburst against uh, God. Who they, uh, who they play again? I mean, it's been I hate international break so much. Um, he did the same thing last year. He doesn't want to have to play Inter at home. Well, in Milan. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, there's not really much else. I think Inter 
I think they beat Roma all three times they played last season. So hopefully they'll be able to keep that going. Um, I think they may have drawn one. They definitely won at least two. Uh, so they play they play uh, Intergrasis Bennett against Atalanta. That's right because uh, Scalvini scored that uh, scored that goal. Um, I'm just gonna take a look at the head to head just to confirm Julian's. Uh... But uh, for what? Oh, just the head to head record for the last uh, few days or a few games. Right. Uh, so, yeah, Inter has beat him three straight uh, three straight games. Yeah, so they had uh, two league games, and then they also had uh, the Copa game last year. Actually, make it four straight games. Yeah, last... hopefully they can keep that going. Honestly, I don't think. I don't think Roma has won in like against Inter in six years. Nope, five. Sorry, five. I'd be curious to see Roma's overall record against, and we've talked about this probably a few weeks ago, the top seven. It's been bad for a long time. Obviously, there's some wins in there, but we keep talking about why they can't crack top four. That's that's a huge reason why, because, you know, you expect the top seven to all beat, you know, the, the newly promoted sides and Sampdoria, you know, formerly Genoa, blah, 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 but... If they can't take a decent amount of points off the top seven, then they will <laughs> forever be winning the Conference League. Great uh, competition on it. It is. That, so. it, yeah, yeah. That was a good call, Drew. So uh, <laughs> I think that's the marquee game of the weekend is Inter Roma. Uh, after that, uh, the, um, so Saturday at two forty-five Eastern Time, there's Empoli Milan. Uh, Chris, I think we mentioned already, Mangan's out, and Theo Hernandez would definitely miss the game against Empoli as well. Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure Teo's played almost every minute of the season so far. I, I can't remember him not starting a match, so it was going to happen eventually, whether it was an injury or whether suspension or they were sitting him just to rotate the squad a little bit, so we'll we'll see who gets that spot over Teo. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Calabria or Dest plays on the left and then the other player uh, starts in the right back position, but we'll see what happens. Uh, and I believe I read as well uh, Bayrami is out injured for, for Empoli. He got injured uh, against uh, uh, during the international break uh, for uh, Albania. Uh, so the other game on on Saturday is Napoli versus Torino at um, at nine o'clock Eastern Time, nine o'clock in the morning. Uh, so I believe. Uh, so I think Osimhen is still out, and I believe uh, Politano was out injured as well. Uh, uh, and then, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so he's, he, they may actually both of them may return for the game on Saturday, but we'll see. It'll probably be a game time uh, decision at that point. But I, again, I don't think they they want to risk them, especially. I mean, Torino is not a team to be uh, underestimated. But again, they still have to play 
the Champions League midweek, which they play uh, Ajax, which that will definitely decide uh, the top two. If, especially if, uh, if they beat Ajax, I mean, they, they go nine points after three games, which is they're only about another win away from qualifying out of, out of this group of death, in my opinion. So uh, I, I think that they should be, I, I, I would, I would assume, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what what happens on Saturday. Uh, I'll check the tape uh, on this on Saturday. And uh, you know, I, I think that the Champions League is uh, securing that Champions League money is more important for De Laurentiis than than anything else. So, uh, getting out of the group is an extra what, like uh, like fifteen million, Julian, something like that. I think so. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's a good chunk of change. Yeah. So on Sunday, the main game uh, is Juventus Bologna. That's Sunday afternoon at two forty-five uh, Eastern time. Uh, they play, so they play Bologna. Uh, so Locatelli, Rabio, and Alexandro uh, should be back in the squad. And there was uh, good news regarding Paul Pogba and Chiesa, and that they should be back in the squad earlier than expected. But again, I'll, I'm just going to focus on uh, Keza. I would love to come back. But again, just look at the Di Maria injury as well. Um, don't rush him. There's no point in rushing your two best players back and risk aggravating the injury again. And then they're out for even longer. So again, I, I would err on the side of caution and let them come back in January instead of rushing them back into this uh, into the squad before the World Cup break. Well, that's just me. I think he, uh, speaking of Di Maria, I believe I was watching the uh, Argentina Jamaica game uh, just before we started recording, and I feel like uh, Di Maria uh, started that game. Uh, he he did come off partway through, so. Uh, just to your point, he obviously did get some minutes in during the international break. I'm very confident it was him anyways. Uh, maybe you can double-check that, but I thought I heard his name and I thought I saw him getting subbed off. Um, so again, just to your point, to make sure they're managing his minutes and not overdoing him right away and again, putting him out for another three to four weeks. Yeah, he did start. Okay. I, I thought that was the case and I feel like he played played at least 60 minutes give or take uh i mean and that goes uh i'm glad you brought up Di maria because there was a kind of links back to uh the international break uh there was a report that the argentinian fa will request clubs to not play argentinian players before uh for the last game before the world cup break I feel like a lot of countries will do that. Yeah, so I don't think that's going to that's gonna fly. Um, I think all the Serie A clubs will tell them to uh, take, a yeah, take a hike or pillar in el culo, stick it up their ass. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I, I think that's this is the this was the exact problem with having the World Cup during the season was you're going to have these superfluous requests 
from the from the national teams from uh, from cl- uh, two club teams, and the club teams are under no obligation to accept them because it's before uh, the international like the the date where clubs have to release players to the to their national teams. Again, this is going to be an absolute shit show in terms of injuries. Uh, the starting up the uh, the season in January, it's like having an extra long Christmas break. So I, I know for a fact that the season doesn't start up until like January sixth or something like that, uh, for, at least for for Italy, which is. Uh, Almost eight weeks, like, like six, seven weeks of without Syria. So, uh, Julian, did you want to touch on some Champions League before we wrap up some some Europe uh, club competition? Um, yes. So we, as I mentioned before, as if the players aren't playing enough games already, um, we already have Champions League coming up this week. Um, so we have. Napoli Ajax on Tuesday, Inter Barcelona as well on Tuesday. Uh, Milan Chelsea and Juve, Maccabi Haifa on Wednesday, um, and then Thursday. Hold on, I'm just trying to pull it up here. Uh, Lazio plays Sturm Graz, Roma play Betis, and in the greatest competition on earth, Fiorentina play Hearts. Uh, I think it's absolute bullshit that. Uh... Juventus play Sunday night Italian time, and Milan plays Saturday night when they play Wednesday as well. Ooh. so I mean that that I'm not a big fan of that scheduling, but uh, it makes sense that that Inter and Napoli play on the Saturday because they play Tuesday. So I don't I don't I don't understand that, but. Uh, I digress. Uh, Chris, did you want to add anything before you before you go? No, I think we already we already touched on the Canadian stuff as well. I think I mentioned I touched on the Canadian women's team last week. Um, oh, I guess mo- more local, anyways. Um, uh, player from Ottawa, Vanessa Gill, uh, starting center back on the national team when they won Olympic gold. She signed with Lyon. I hope it wasn't Lyon, but I feel like it was Lyon. She's there on loan right now. And uh, they're a powerhouse in the women's game. So uh, pretty cool to see a a local player uh, sign with uh, a a huge club like that. Um, Didn't Atletico Ottawa finish first or like... uh... They did, I believe. Um... Let me for going local. I know they were, yeah. So they're in first right now, four points clear. Forge have a game in hand, so I looks like they do have first place essentially wrapped up. Okay, yeah, because I think the playoffs start soon or something like that. Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah, um, correct. Okay, so, so uh, there was no CRB obviously this weekend, uh, but there's like a pro because they started late as well, so they 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 don't break uh, they can't break for the uh, international uh, stoppages or international break, I guess. So they actually played uh, twice. Uh, it was 
so they beat uh Viterbeze one nothing and they beat Foggia four nothing. Uh, so they actually they're actually in they have twelve points. They're in the top five with four wins and one loss. So um, good for them. Uh, hopefully, when I go to Italy next, I can go catch a game since uh, they're they're going to be the, it's going to be the only cultural uh, in Italy while I'm there. So <laughs> or hopefully, hopefully to be there. So, but um, any last words? I just want to say I know. Unfortunately, Michael's not here for this episode. I do remember way back when, when we said, who would we want to see on Italy's World Cup squad? I mentioned DeMarco as the left wing back, and Michael burst out laughing. <laughs> well, remind him from next what week I saw, when he's back yeah, From what I saw on Twitter, he was apparently one of the better players for Italy this uh, international break. Yeah, I mean, he scored the goal against Hungary uh, and, and, you know, was, was able to to go up and down that wing with such with, with with some liberty and i mean he's like considering inter's struggles this season i don't i think he's been decent for inter considering yeah. that goes and yeah. should have been should in theory should be the one to start but for whatever reason uh it's demarco so and Zaggy just needs to stop playing him at center back it's not it works against small clubs who like the try and sit back but otherwise keep him out wing back he's good there yeah but uh, you guys i know okay i should wrap up but like uh, since we're starting talking about enter uh <laughs> continue the preview for for next uh for for the weekend but i mean you paid all that money for gozens yeah i mean that to me that's i don't know if that was an zaggy request if that was a tuning gift i don't know what that was but realistically trust me i'd Stay up thinking about this. They've the only two players they've spent any good amount of money on in the past two years are Correa and Gosens, and both of them are not starters. Yeah, I mean Gosens was an absolute fleece job. That's for sure. Sorry, I mean Correa. Correa. Yeah. yeah. Even Gosens now looking back at Atlanta, they're laughing at Inter. Yeah. Um. Actually, uh, go ahead, Chris. No, I was just gonna say I feel like Atlanta are often laughing at other clubs after they've made transfers. I'm, yeah. I'm thinking Andrea Conti, and I'm sure there are other ones. Uh, Zappa Coast? No. No. I'm trying to think. Oh, the, a... Was it Traore? Galliardini. Galliardini. Galliardini, yeah. yeah. Caldara. Caldara, yeah. That's another uh, one. Traore to... Uh, Inter- uh, no, United. United. There's, I'm sure there's, we could be here for an hour, but... Castagna <laughs> to Leicester. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Leicester has been at her ass this season. No, they have been. Romero's been a good signing for Spurs, and I don't want to go on too long. But obviously, there's a a list there of, of players Atalanta have sold. Well, and... technically, they bought them from Juventus. No. Yeah, but anyways, I digress. Um, or it was a loan to something. Anyway, it was a confusing transfer. Um, so I, I want to end off in good news for Inter fans. Uh, I believe Zhang has been convinced to sell. They're trying to Hooray. find a r- right buyer. So, yeah, there's rumors he reached out to Goldman Sachs about a month ago, and now it's, I forget the name of the bank offhand, but it's the same one that helped Chelsea, um, Abramovich sell Chelsea over the summer. Hmm. Scotiabank. So, <laughs> so uh, uh, a little bit of good news for Inter fans. We'll see... Uh, 
how that plays out. I guarantee you a sale is probably going to come over the break when everyone's watching the World Cup and you knows paying attention to club uh, club calcio. So uh, something to keep an eye on uh, during uh, during that break. Uh, have we decided? Are we going to boycott the World Cup? Uh... No, I'm watching the World Cup. <laughs> no, I'm talking about I'm talking about for the podcast. Uh, uh, we'll see, I guess. Yeah, maybe not a full boycott. Maybe group stage episode. Uh group stage episode and then uh, I mean they're going to be setting up players taking part in the World Cup well, so technically like there's yeah. CanCon so I guess we'll cover it yeah and we'll yeah, cover but... the setting up players playing in the World Cup I think yeah. we have to okay okay well on that programming note uh, let's wrap up so again we'll be back next week with uh, a full review of Syria was it match day 8 sounds about right yeah. yeah, match day eight, and uh, a more in-depth preview of the upcoming um, Euro Club competitions. So until then, I wish you all a good week.